This time on Come Receive the Light, we hear a fascinating 75-year-old story that strangely and somewhat sadly resonates with the news headlines today. There are extraordinary stories in our homes, our yayas and our papus, who led unbelievable lives and what they lived through, what they suffered through, what they endured to allow us to come to this country, to be born in this country. What did they live through to get here? And so many of these stories are being lost to history, you know, and I, I really feel like I found a calling to help and inspire other people to dig deep and to look at the history in their own homes because they're extraordinary, beautiful stories and they deserve to be documented and they deserve to be remembered. That's a thought my wife and I have had many times over the recent years. And being in broadcasting, uh, it's fairly easy for me to sit relatives down in front of a microphone and ask them questions and record those stories that could very well be lost. You're going to be encouraged today, I believe, and challenged as our host, Father Christopher Metropolis, talks with his guest. Father Chris is the president of Hellenic College and Holy Cross Orthodox School of Theology in Brookline, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. He's also the founder of this ministry, the Orthodox Christian Network. And if you're not on our website, well, it's myocn.net. Check us out. That's myocn.net. Yvette Manessis Corporan is the Emmy Award-winning writer, producer, and author. She is currently a senior producer with the syndicated entertainment news show Extra. With over 20 years' experience in television news, Yvette has traveled the world covering the biggest stories in news and entertainment. She's worked and written and produced for the most celebrated names in broadcasting and has interviewed the most iconic celebrities and newsmakers of our time. Not content to spend all her time behind the camera, Yvette has extensive on-camera experience and has appeared as a guest on many national and New York City news programs. In addition to her three Emmy Awards, Yvette has received several Emmy nominations, a Silurian Award for Excellence in Journalism, and the New York City Comptroller and City Council's Award for Greek Heritage and Culture. Yvette, welcome to the program. Thank you, Father. That was quite an introduction. Wow. That is Thank quite you. an introduction. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time. I know how busy you are. We're going to speak about your book, Something Beautiful Happened. Uh, let's go right to it. Why did you write it, and how has this work transformed you? Oh, boy. I've been transformed into how long is this radio program? <laughs> <laughs> this book has uh, transformed me in a multitude of ways. Um, I, I wrote this book... Um, I felt very much compelled to write this book. Um, there was a chain of events in my life that happened that really left me thinking as to why did this happen, how did this happen, and what do I do with this now? Um, so it began with um, Something Beautiful Happened is the story of my search for the family that Mayaya helped save from the Nazis on our tiny Greek island, which is at Ikusa in northwestern Greece, just off the coast of Corfu, Gedgira. And I grew up listening to Maya's stories about how she and a group of islanders all worked together to hide and save a Jewish family from the Nazis. That family, um, there was a man named Salvas Israel, who was the tailor to our family and to the islanders of Edikusa. And they became very close with the islanders. He had three daughters named Spera, Julia, and Nina. And there was also a young little girl named Rosa, who was nine years old. Now, when the Nazis gathered up all the all the um, Jews of Corfu and sent them to Auschwitz, Savats and his family managed to escape 
um, Gerkira, the, the town of Corfu, and made it to our island and went to my grandmother and to the friends that he had known through the years through doing business. And the islanders of Vidikosa took them in, hid them, and saved them from the Nazis. So I listened to this story growing up, and as a journalist, as a writer, um, I decided to write a fictionalized account of this story, and then that resulted in the book, um, my first book, called uh, When the Cypress Whispers. And as I was writing that book, though, I realized it wasn't enough for me to fictionalize Mayaya's story. I wanted to finish it. I wanted to find the family that Mayaya had risked her life to save. So I set out on this journey, and it took many, many years. It took me around the world, and I searched to find the family that she had risked everything to save. Um, I reached out to the – first of all, I started you know, friends and family and calling everybody, what do you know, and came back empty. Then I went to Kedgira, knocked on doors. Nobody knew anything. And then I reached out to the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, as well as the website MyHeritage.com, which is one of these genealogy websites. And with the help of the Holocaust Museum and MyHeritage, we were able to finally find this family. When I found them, I reached out, and I was in tears, and I said, oh, I can't believe I found you. I was searching for years. My grandmother is one of the women who risked her life to save yours. And they were like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You know, like so many Holocaust survivors, the women never spoke of the war. So that was the first aspect of my book, Something Beautiful Happened, this incredible story how this entire island of Vediquisa stood up, everyone on the island risked their lives, kept quiet, kept a secret, and saved this family. Now, I found the family Mayaya saved from the Nazis on April 10th of 2014. Three days later, there was a shooting in Kansas. Three people were shot and killed by a neo-Nazi who wanted to know what it felt like to kill Jews before he died. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Two of those people were members of my own family. My 14-year-old nephew, Reed, uh, and his grandfather, Bill, were killed that day by a man who thought they were Jewish. They had gone to the JCC for a singing audition. Reed was a singer, and he was so excited about singing that day. So here I am, you know, wrestling with this story of what happened to my family 70 years ago in Greece, how they stood up and, and, and faced the Nazis and won. And my children had watched this. My children had watched this journey. They had watched my search, you know, and I was so proud, and the tears were flowing, and I kept telling my children, Christiana and Eagle, look, look where you come from. Look what your great-grandmother did. She stood up to the Nazis, and she won. Goodness won. Always put goodness in the world. The Nazis were defeated. And then three days later, their cousin was murdered by a neo-Nazi in Kansas. So I know this is a very long-winded answer to your question, but... My new book, Something Beautiful Happened, is my attempt to make sense of this story for my children, mostly. All right. Let, let me ask you a, a few questions, and if I'm prying too much, you know, you just push back on me, okay? But uh, I'm hearing your no story. There's no such thing as prying too much. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm hearing a story that is a gut-wrenching story, but I'm also hearing a story that has great joy attached to it. How many people oh, yes. were in the family that your yaya saved? Or so there were so the island and again it's it's Mayaya and I'm always very careful to say yes you know my, I learned the story from Mayaya and she was so heroic the Nazis were in our house my father remembers them in our house ransacking saying where are the Jews where are the Jews and she kept the secret she kept quiet she mm-hmm. risked the lives of her own children to save this family but everyone on that island was heroic because even the ones who didn't actively help participate. They, too, kept the secret. So it was the entire island. There were about 200 people on the island of Ediquisa at the time, and every single one of them was a hero. 
Okay, so they, they all hid someone somehow. They all, they were five people. So it was Savas, his three daughters, mm -hmm. and the young girl named Rosa, who was nine years old. So there were five people total who were hidden and saved on Ediquisa. My goodness. Let, let's talk a little bit about the sort of the complicitness and keeping this secret. Um, yes. What do you attribute that kind I don't know if that would happen today, frankly. I, I know I'd hate to give that indictment to the world today. Yeah. But I, I don't know if it would happen today. But what do you attribute it to? What in, in your research, in your finding, in your prayers, in your thoughts? What is this complicitness? How do you, how do you attribute it? I think it's filotimo. I think that it's as simple as that. I think that it is just ingrained in the fiber of everyone from Ericusa and and all around Greece. You know, it is just. I've asked, I'm asked this question again and again. You know, I speak all across the country, and every time people hear the story and they can't believe that it actually happened. And every time I'm asked, well, how, what, what do you attribute this to? And I say, you know, there's a Greek word, philotimo, and it just personifies everything about Maya and the Islanders. And the other answer to that is that there was no alternative. It was not an option to turn their backs on their friends. It was not an option to see to save themselves and send another woman's child to an uncertain death. It just was not an option. Yeah, I just came from an event in, in New York City that the Archons had a banquet. Yes, of course. Uh, all right, and they, they My father's gave, an Archon. Okay, and they gave the honor to a yaya and a sailor uh, who were the ones who took in refugees. They took in more refugees than actually are inhabitants on the island. And they were saying they do this because... That's what God would want them to do. Uh, Agreed. And th th Agreed. These are amazing stories. And I don't, uh, you know, for all the criticism that the Greek people have had over the, the course of the last several years with the, their deficits and all those things going on, uh, there's something far deeper in the Greek Orthodox people uh, than just that money issue. That's for sure. Oh, Father, um, I have been shouting this from the rooftop. Again, mm -hmm. every time I speak and all across the country, people are astounded. And it's, but it's, it's, you know, this is... This is one story of simple islanders who stood up and stared down the Nazis and did the right thing in the face of evil. Every time I speak, everywhere I go, I hear this again and again. My grandmother, my yaya, my papu, they did this too. They helped. They never talked about it. And the tears come and then the stories come. And people realize that like I did. I didn't really start seeking answers until it was too late, until my yaya had already passed away. And I had to start digging and researching and using my journalism skills to bring this story um, to light. And so many people never had the opportunity to do that and have not and are now thinking back to these incredible, rich stories of heroism that happened all throughout Greece. And so I think something is happening now where people are remembering just how heroic and extraordinary the people of Greece were and are. I mean, look what's happening today, as you said, with the refugees. It's still happening today. Yes. Poor Greeks are still giving everything they have to help refugees, to help save other people. Now, you mentioned uh, the tragedy in your own family. Um, yes. Let's talk briefly about that. You're working on the book while this happened. How does this impact you, the book that you were writing, and maybe even your faith as an Orthodox Christian? Well, it's, I mean, it's impacted everything. You know, the, the book actually was born, um, it was uh, the, night of the, the night of the murders, I, 
I was putting my nine-year-old son to bed. His name is Nico. And again, as I said earlier, you know, my children had watched me. They had watched me on this search. And I was, again, shouting it from the rooftops. Look at where you come from. Look at your family. Look at the goodness. Look what wonderful Christian people they are risking their lives to save their friends. You know, this is, this is ingrained in you. Always put goodness in the world. And so we were celebrating this. And then the night of the murders, you know, my nephew was murdered by a man shouting, Heil Hitler. I was putting my son to bed. And with tears in his eyes, he said to me, but mom, I don't understand. How could this happen? And I said, Nico, honey, nobody understands. He said, no, you told me. You told me the family was saved and the Nazis were gone. How could this happen? Mm, So I really, really, really wrestled with that question for a very long time. I questioned my faith. I, I questioned everything. How could this happen? How... I mean, my nephew, Reed, was the most—he was 14 years old. He was on his way to a singing audition. He was the most extraordinary boy. His grandfather, Bill, was a doctor, faithful, so active in his church community. Um, this man, this neo-Nazi, set out on a mission to kill Jews, and he murdered three devout Christians that day. And then Mindy, whose father and son were murdered that day, right. the only thing that has kept her going is her faith. So rather than questioning her faith, it solidified her faith because every day she wakes up and she's able to go about her day because she says, and I will quote her, I know I will see them again in heaven. I will hug my son again in heaven. I will see my father again in heaven. And knowing this and believing it and having such deep faith is what keeps her going. So you never know how you're going to react to tragedy. For some, it's questioning their faith, and for others, it solidifies their faith. And we've run the gamut in our family. I know you're busy, and we don't have, unfortunately, a lot of time. Uh, We could talk, frankly, for a long time. I want to invite you to the campus of Hellenic College and Holy Cross, where I have the honor to serve as the president of the school. I'd like you to come to the school and speak to – we have a a monthly encounter. It's called Presidential Encounter, Answering the Call of Christ. Uh, It would be great for you to share this story. I just have one final question for you. Yes. Is there a common thread – that runs through your work, that drives you to write, drives you to read, drives you to produce a book of this nature? Because clearly it is something that needs to be shared with the world. Well, thank you for saying that. And I think that is the driving force. Um, you know, I've, I've been a journalist for the past 30 years, and it's true. When you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I feel so blessed to be able to work in journalism and to tell stories for a living. Um, and when this happened, again, I had to sort of dig deep and look within myself and what do I do? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my family? What is the timing of this? And I felt very much an obligation to tell this story. You know, again, I tell other people's stories for a living, and I felt that in some way that I was meant to tell this story, my own family story, and perhaps shed a broader light on stories such as this. Of course, not everyone's is as dramatic as mine, and I hope that they're not, because no other family should experience what we've gone through. But as I said earlier, there are extraordinary stories in our homes. Our yayas and our papus led unbelievable lives, and what they lived through, what they suffered through, what they endured, to allow us to come to this country, to be born in this country? What did they live through to get here to give us the greatest opportunities? And so many of these stories are being lost to history, you know, and I I really 
feel like I found a calling, if I can call it that, to help and inspire other people to dig deep and to look at the history in their own homes. Because they're extraordinary, beautiful stories, and they deserve to be documented, and they deserve to be remembered. Thank you, Yvette. Thanks for your time, and thanks for your journey. Thanks for sharing it with all of us. Oh, thank you, Father. It's a joy. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. As always, or almost always, we'll have a link to actually both books mentioned by our guest today on the broadcast. You've been listening to another edition of Come Receive the Light, a part of the Orthodox Christian Network. And when you're on the website, just click on the radio button. We have a new website, so it's no longer the listen button. It's now the radio button. And select Come Receive the Light. And those links will be associated with this broadcast when that page opens up. Again, that's myocn.net. Our host is Father Christopher Metropolis. I'm Mike Trout. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back in a few days with another edition of the program. In the meantime, remember to always have faith in what you listen to. I see the world your way And I'm not afraid to follow I see the world your way And I'm not ashamed to say so I see the Jesus way And I'm walking in the light